It's time for CBB 365 with your hosts, Adam Hipsky and Patrick Dallahan. Okay, and welcome to 2022. CBB 365 is back and we are into the new year. Uh, we are just past uh, January uh, at the time of recording. Uh, Baylor has overtaken the number one team in the country in the AP poll. Uh, and coming off a season that they became national champions uh, by the end of it and then lost a lot of key pieces uh, for Scott Drew to find his squad back up at the top of the country uh, speaks volumes uh, to this culture at Baylor. And, and we'll break down uh, all of that in this episode. Uh, but Baylor back on top, uh, a main storyline that we'll break down today. Uh, for today's episode on CBB 365, we will go around the country conference by conference and break down what we've seen and what to expect going forward. And maybe some guys to keep your eye on or some guys that have impressed uh, here in the past couple months. Uh, conference play is getting up and rolling uh, around the country. Uh, SEC play, Big Ten play, uh, pretty much all of it uh, has begun. Uh, so we are on full throttle until we hit conference tournaments and March Madness. Uh, so we'll start with the Big Ten, and I will throw it to you, Patrick, uh, to start it, start us off with the Big Ten. I mean, yeah, the Big Ten. I mean, the bumper car conference last night, we just saw, I mean, not last night for uh, you guys, but last night for us at the time of this recording, Wisconsin goes in to Mackey Arena at pr- Purdue University, home of the number three ranked Boilermakers, knocks them off. I mean, Johnny Davis is probably going to be an All-American, maybe a first-team All-American. Uh, he's a candidate for National Player of the Year, whether you like it or not. I mean, that, that clutch three he hit at, at the end of the game truly really put that game on ice. It just proves it. Right. Like he's been great all year. He was great in MTEs. He's been great in conference play so far. I hate Wisconsin and the way they play. Right. I hate, I hate most of their players every year. I really love Johnny Davis. And I think that speaks volumes to how good he's been. Cause I'm probably not giving him enough credit. Right. And that's a really good Purdue team that they went in and beat. I mean, that Purdue team I thought was the best in the country up until Purdue decided to kick things into, into seventh gear. I think the turn is, I don't, I don't know. Is that, is that the right term? It, it doesn't matter. But um, Purdue is really a, a great team and a final four favorite, uh, in my opinion. And Wisconsin went in there and beat them pretty soundless. Fine. Uh, I would take a look at Minnesota again. I know I brought them up last time. They still only have one loss on the season, and they opened one and one in Big Ten play. Again, they were picked to finish dead last. Uh, instead of going in depth on Minnesota, I'll go in depth on Purdue. Uh, like Pat said, I think I think at one point they were the clear number one, and they've had a slow start to conference play. Obviously, the loss to Wisconsin. Uh, they lost, lost to Rutgers, to Rutgers. Yeah, right, which say. was which was a brutal loss. But uh, I still think they're a Final Four caliber team. Um, 
And I think the next five games, six games, they need to probably win all those games. But one, they have Penn State, Michigan, Nebraska in a row. All three of those Mm -hmm. need to be wins. And they get Illinois and then Indiana with Northwestern. They got to win. They got to win five of those six, at least, I think, to get back on track. And I think they can. Um, I I just want to say, like, uh, about the Purdue – Illinois game that that's coming up in about four games or so for them. I think that's going to be extremely entertaining more so with the front court matchups. Uh, I mean, Trevion Williams and Zach a day, like a kind of like one, two combo ish off the, with, with Williams coming off the bench, who I still think is probably the best player in the conference. And he's not even starting, which is insane. But I mean, that, those two going up against Kofi Coburn, who's one of the best players in the country, is going to be really entertaining. I do think that Purdue has them outmatched in the backcourt with Jaden Ivey and all those guys, but yeah. Do you see the full-court pass from uh, Trivion Williams to Zach Day last night? Dude, he's such a good passer. Yeah. I mean, he 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 there's no full, look passes all the time. He a full-length pass from the baseline to the other end of the court. I mean, when the guy you're throwing it to is like seven five, I don't think that <laughs> he can literally just, you know. It was, I mean, it was one of the most well executed hail mary plays at the end of the half I've ever seen. And Adam, oh, I was gonna say, Adam, you're a resident Big Ten guy. You live in Big Ten country. What's what have you seen that you've really liked? I'm going to say two routes here. One, I'm going to go biggest disappointment. And that, I mean, that can't be anyone else other than Michigan. Michigan sitting at seven and five, <laughs> uh, pending a game to Rutgers, which it looks like they will lose. Um, there's no doubt that this Michigan team is not up to the Michigan standard that they were last year. Uh, Michigan standards. Minnesota, <laughs> North Carolina. Uh, I mean, this team's struggling, no doubt about it. Uh and the schedule doesn't get any easier for them. Uh, Michigan State, Purdue, Illinois are their next three after this uh, Rutgers game, which it looks like they will drop. Um, so, yeah, not not a pleasant start uh, for Michigan. Another team is Ohio State. I think Ohio State kind of had a rough November, went undefeated in December uh, after losing those two in November to Xavier in Florida. But since then, they beat Duke. They started out 3-0 and in Big Ten play, including an 18-point win against Wisconsin, which Wisconsin – uh, has obviously been playing really well, just beat Purdue. Um, and I will say that the the start of their Big Ten uh, slate isn't isn't filled with tons of the top Big Ten teams. Um, IU, Northwestern, Wisconsin, Penn State, and Nebraska are their next five. Uh, so I could really see this Ohio State uh, jumping up in the rankings. They're number 13 right now, but don't expect them uh, to stay there for much longer. I expect them to take a leap into the top 10. Um, especially with the way that their schedule looks and how EJ Liddell has been playing uh, for Ohio State. So I think that that's, that's a, a team. Obviously, they're top 15 in the country. I wouldn't say they're necessarily slept on, but uh, keep your eye out. I think Ohio State will get a little bit of momentum and get into a run heading into uh, February. Yeah, and I, I, I was going to say, like, um, were they your biggest surprise? Is it? Did I miss that? Sorry. Were, were they your biggest surprise? Yeah, I would say Ohio State uh, surprise. Not necessarily a surprise, just a team that I think uh, 
I think it's been really solid. Yeah. Uh, you I know who has really surprised me, and it's really come come back to bite me in the ass after the Big Ten preview? Michigan State. Yeah, Michigan State's on a roll. Yeah. yeah, I mean, they're ranked number 10 in the country. Um, obviously, some pretty good wins. They beat UConn down in uh, the, the Battle for Atlantis, the Bad Boy Mars Battle for Atlantis in a pretty defensive game. And I think that Tom Izzo – it's just doing Tom Izzo things with that team. He has them play tenacious defense. They block shots. They get rebounds. And they play an excellent half-court offense. Have a couple shooters. I mean, Gabe Brown, excellent shooter for that Michigan State team. I, I do think that Michigan State is prime, is not a team I would want to see in March with the way they play. It's just tenacious defense, aggression. Like, here you go. Yeah, just uh, and keep note of it. The two losses that Michigan State's had, they're 12 and two, but those two losses have been to number one Baylor and to number six Kansas. Um, so obviously, no, no bad losses for this team. Uh, they've performed, right. uh, and some of their wins haven't been pretty uh, at all, but but still, Michigan State um, in a Big Ten that looked to be pretty loaded. I think Michigan State's right there towards the top of it right now. And uh, do we want to move on to the Big 12 now, which has really been a, a conference that's that's caught a lot of people's eyes. They have some pretty good teams this year. But I'm going to start off with really the surprise of the conference this year, TJ Otzelberger and the Iowa State Cyclones. Who would have thought they would be as good as they are this year after watching them last season? I, they didn't win a single game in Big 12 play last year, did they? Uh, I don't believe so. Yeah. So, like, they they were terrible last year. Terrible. And they come in this year, they rattle off a bunch of great wins, right? They they, they shelled Memphis. They beat Xavier. Uh, I mean, and they just lost their first game in a five-point loss to Baylor. That's yeah. the closest game Baylor's had all year. And really, the story, the story of this team so far is Isaiah Brockington. Right, he's a six-four guard, and he's leading them in points per game and rebounds per game. He's averaging eight rebounds a game, and on top of that, he he's in like a really efficient player. Like he 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 shoots fifty percent from the field and he shoots 423 percent from three. So it's like he is really good, and he's been that best player on that team by a long shot. I mean, he's the first in points per game by seven points per game. And Klein, you you were on this TJ Otzelberger hire before the season when we did our coaches carousel preview. You were really high on it. Like, I thought it was a good hire, but I didn't see him bringing them to being ranked 11th in the country. And, and really, and they dropped three spots this week in the poll. So they were a top 10 team, and I still consider them a top 10 team right now. And I mean, that's they after- lost to the best team in the country. Exactly. That's after a loss to Baylor. That really is by far the closest game Baylor's played all year. And it probably will be the closest game to play all year. And, and I think beyond everything, uh, this was a prove-it game for Iowa State. Yeah, they had a couple of solid wins. Um, I mean, their first 12 games, they beat Iowa, and they they crushed Memphis, and they beat Xavier. And, and, and granted, granted – 
Hindsight's 2020. Memphis stinks. They're yeah. really bad. Except they did beat Alabama, but it's like anyway, it doesn't matter. But but if anything, this was a prove it game for Iowa State that shows that they can hang in the Big 12. I mean, there were still doubters of what they could do, but I mean, there's no doubt they're gonna be a defensive uh prowess in the Big 12 this year. And and to go toe-to-toe with Baylor. Um, I think shows that Iowa State can definitely compete in the Big 12. And this Big 12 conference is, without a doubt, no slouch this year. I mean, we've talked a lot about the Big 10, but the Big 12 is right there with them. I mean, Texas Tech has been playing really well this year, Texas. And then, obviously, you've got Iowa State, Kansas, and Baylor towards the top. So, um, Iowa State can no doubt compete in this Big 12, and I think – uh, they kind of showed it on Saturday uh, that they can definitely contend uh, with with the upper echelon of the the Big Twelve. Uh, Klein, yeah, you want to go, go with your Big Twelve now? Yeah, I think there's a team that almost has the framework of Iowa State right now. It doesn't have quite the same strength of schedule, but TCU is ten and one, and they have. A couple of interesting wins. They beat Texas A&M, which is hot. They beat Georgetown. They beat Utah. So there's three power six wins right there for the Horned Frogs. And they beat Oral Roberts, which I think is one of the best mid-majors with Max Acemas. Mm -hmm. Uh, They will have their shot now against Baylor coming up on Saturday. Um, So there's a good measuring stick for the Horned Frogs to start off conference play. Yeah, no, I agree. Uh, I'll go with Texas Tech uh, for mine. Uh, they came in. They're barely in the top 25. They just sneak right in at, at, at 25. Losses to Gonzaga and Providence. Obviously, the Providence one on the road. Not as pretty as you would like it to be. Um, but still, Texas Tech, good win uh, at a neutral site game against Tennessee. And then a 14-point loss to Gonzaga. Um, not great, but nonetheless, Mark Adams, I really like this team. Um, now their schedule coming up is brutal. Uh, Iowa state, Kansas, and Baylor are their next three. Um, so that's going to be a tough one for Texas tech. I think if they can win one of those three, I think that they, they put themselves uh, within the top four of the big 12. Um, but if they can't, uh, if they go 0 for 3, I think that uh, Texas and Oklahoma are probably above them. So a big stretch for Texas Tech right here. I think it'll tell you a lot about the team that Mark Adams has um, uh, coming up in these next three. On the road against Iowa State, gets to host Kansas, and then on the road at number one Baylor. So uh, a brutal schedule for for Texas Tech. Keep your eye on them uh, yeah, in the coming it, week. And I was going to say, we've seen what Baylor could do at home with that home crowd in Waco. I mean, obviously, Villanova went down there and only scored 36 points. Like, Baylor, this is one of the best college basketball teams I've ever seen. Like, this Baylor team. Who, who Do you think they beat last year's team if they played each other? I, I, don't, I don't think they do. That last year's Baylor team was, I mean – just a machine. I mean, it, it's a good discussion, and it's fair to have it due to this team being number one and obviously the right. last team ending at number one. Uh, but I don't think so. Yeah, I think that's fair. Clint, what do you think about that? Do you think this Baylor team could beat last year's Baylor team? I mean, maybe 
if they played a seven game series, like I could see this year's Baylor team taking a few of those games. Like I think it's good enough. Uh, I don't know. I just don't think it has the star power of Jared Butler, Macy Oteague. Davion Mitchell. This team, yeah, exactly. Davion Mitchell. This this team just lacks that to me. And I'm not saying that makes them bad all of a sudden. They're still very well coached. They still play really hard, which I think is the trademark of Scott Drew's teams. Mm-hmm. But they don't have the guard play or the star power of that team, in my opinion. I agree. Yeah, I do agree. I do think that this year has a little bit more of a, like an athleticism thing to it though i mean like a lot of people are saying that like kendall brown is a freshman i mean one of the best dunkers in the country like they didn't really have anybody like that last year like some a pure slasher that could just get to the rim and elevate over anyone he wanted and, and finish like that but nonetheless let's move to the sec uh, let's talk about let's talk about auburn a little bit uh auburn really good I mean, there's no other way to put it. A really long team at the rim. Uh, Walker Kessler played an excellent game the other day. I mean, Bruce Pearl has it going in Auburn, Alabama. I think that they're similar to Michigan State in that they play really tenacious, aggressive defense, and they get out on offense really well. I mean, Auburn can shoot the three very well. Like, in their game against UConn, they, they they shot the three incredibly well and they make shots they get out in the break and transition and they run a good enough half court offense to the point where they're dangerous and they're 13 and one right i mean like in their freshman their diaper dandy as dick vital would call him i mean jabari smith has been nothing if not impressive this year i mean he's playing 27 minutes a game averaging 16 points a game uh seven rebounds a game two assists a steal and a block he's averaging technically 0.9 blocks but i mean he's everywhere Jabari Smith and he's proven to people after a little bit of a slow start in his first couple of games that he's one of the premier freshmen in the country and this this Auburn team is is super intriguing to me personally no there's no doubt I mean I mean this Vanderbilt has has a good build I mean you mentioned that Walker Kessler along with the Rams 7-1 and then you have a potential number one pick Jabari Smith Mm-hmm. Uh, and also possible national player of the year. And you mentioned he was doing all of these. Uh, you mentioned his numbers. He's doing all that while only playing. What did you say, 26 minutes a game? 27 minutes a game. He's not even playing three-fourths of the game. And, and some of that uh, you have to give credit to. I mean, a, a lot of those were blowouts. Uh, and, you know, you rest your guys down the stretch on that. But right. still, uh, those are impressive numbers to be listing off those stat lines. Uh, in games that that you you know um, are blowing I mean, teams out and and play at that level, and uh, someone for me that doesn't get enough get enough credit for this team is Wendell Green. Um, he he's the team leader in assists. He averages four assists a game. He averages four rebounds a game. He puts up twelve points a game. He's a little bit inefficient. Uh, he's only shooting thirty seven percent from three and forty percent from field goals. Kid knocks down his free throws, though. I mean, that that's to me, that's one of the most important things that you can be able to do, like as a college basketball player. And like Jabari Smith also hits his free throws. Again, the efficiency and the, and the 
and the quality of shots he takes a little bit questionable. He shoots 40% from the field, but he shoots 42% from three. So he kind of picks up where he, where he leaves uh, mistakes when it comes to just shooting normal shots. But again, like Auburn just doesn't do anything poorly, right? They don't make a lot of mistakes with the ball. Um, they're just an excellent, they're just an excellent team. Like there's just no other way to put it. They're an excellent team. They're well-balanced. They all, they all play tenacious defense. Like they, they're all in for Bruce Pearl, which I think is great. Um, so I'm going to go to the other school, uh, in the SEC in Alabama down in Tuscaloosa, NATO. It's a squad hard to get a gauge on this team. Really? Um, you beat two Ken Palm top five teams in Gonzaga and Houston. And then you have three losses in Iona. And Iona is no mid-major slouch. I mean, don't get me wrong, right. but this is also Alabama. Uh, a Memphis team who we've seen be very up and down. I mean, pretty much one of their only highs was that Alabama win. Uh, and then a loss to Davidson. So what is this Alabama team? I mean, you have three of the best wins in college basketball, Gonzaga, Houston, and Tennessee. And then you also have three not, not great losses. Uh, so is this – the question that I have, uh, is this Alabama team uh, right there with Auburn, right there with Kentucky? Um, and you know they've got guys. I mean, you know they have Javon Quinterly, Jane Shackelford, J.D. Davidson. I mean, these guys will be uh, – and they'll come to play in those games, but, but right now uh, – Alabama's upcoming schedule, next five games uh, include Florida, Auburn, and LSU. Um, so can can Alabama compete with those? Can they get through that stretch and win four of those five? Um, I think they'll beat LSU. Uh, I think they can beat Florida. Will they? I don't know. That's on the road. Um, I think they could struggle in that one. But that Auburn team, that Auburn-Alabama game um, should be a great matchup. But, but can Alabama compete? Uh, with what Auburn has going right now, I don't know. And I think that's kind of the question, uh, which, which Nate Oates' team are we going to get? Because I think that if you get uh, the best Nate Oates team, uh, you know, you've seen that they have an ability to beat almost anyone in the country with Gonzaga and Houston, or, uh, you know, if you sleepwalk through it, you could also see performances like you did against Memphis, Davidson and Iona. Yeah, and I think that the only problem with Nate Oates' teams, like there are some teams that can get away with not making their shots and bad shot making. Like Baylor has the ability to get away with that, right? They Because they can just clamp on defense and hold you to under 40 points, right? Teams like, again, Michigan State, I've talked about their defense. They can get away with that. Alabama just can't get away with that. They They – their defense is not good enough and they rely so much on shot making and not stopping the other team from scoring, but just outscoring the other team, you know, like that's, that's my issue with them. Like analytically it's there, right? The, the idea is there and Nate Oates is obviously a big analytics guy. They, all of their, he is, you, you can look that up. Um, you, um, you can look at their shot charts. Not many mid-ranges are taken by this Alabama team. Um, a, either a layup, a dunk, three-pointer, or foul shots. And I, I think that on paper it sounds good, 
but in execution, I don't think it, it can work for them in the long run. It's it's unsustainable. No, I mean it's just whatever version you get of that team on that yeah. given night, uh, which, like you said, I don't think that's sustainable. Uh, Klein, SEC, anything you want to note in the Southeastern Conference? If you take the third-year win percentage of Buzz Williams at Marquette, the third-year win percentage of Buzz Williams at Virginia Tech, and add it to the third-year win percentage of Buzz Williams this year, it's over 700. For whatever reason, in the third year at each stop, Buzz Williams' teams uh, really pick it up. And Texas A&M has been no different. They're 11-2 and to start the year. I'm heading into a Tuesday night game against Georgia. I don't see why they're not a tournament team right now. Having watched them, they're, they play fast. They have a, a high high tempo. They score a lot. I think they have the ability to keep up with the uh, Alabamas and the Auburns of this league. And I want to give a special mention to Georgia because they got a fourth place vote in the AP poll by accident. Shout out to John Linehan. But, um, Maybe yeah, let's mm-hmm. – <laughs> Let's move. Let's move out um, uh, to the West, the Conference of Champions. Uh, I mean, well, let's talk about Arizona. I mean, Tommy Lloyd, his first year there after Sean Miller got fired, um, first year as a head coach, I should say, and they've been awesome. I mean, Benedict Mathura, in my opinion, is the best player in the conference. He was in my top twenty-five for players in CBB this year. Um, uh, as well as Tubalis, also an unbelievable player. They have four guys averaging 12 points or more uh, per game this year. I mean, that's invaluable. And they're all shooting pretty well from the field. Uh, only one of them is shooting under 50%. Um, and that's, that's Kirk Kreese, uh, another Lithuanian guy on um, Arizona. But, um, I mean, Arizona, one of those teams – they, I mean, they average 89.9 points per game and they get 43 rebounds a game. And they also average 21 assists a game. Like, huh? Like, this could be the most balanced team in the country. And I think that it's what's crazy about this is the Pac-12 is known, has been known in previous years to be a slouch of a conference. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, last year... Uh, they only had four or five teams get in, and one of those was in the first four, and the other one was a bid stealer in Oregon State. Uh, right. So the Pac-12 is known as being a slouch of a conference, and you're talking about a team that has three teams in the top ten. Now, granted, that that all balances out, and beyond that, it's not pretty at all for the Pac-12. Yeah. Um, I mean, there's – I don't know if there's another tournament team, but, but you talk about three legitimate national title contenders – USC is 12 and out. Um, and I, and I don't think that they'll end the year uh, at the spot that they're at. I mean, they don't have any really signature wins. I mean, Washington state, Utah um, are probably their two best wins. So I think that's kind of saying something San Diego state um, as well about this USC team, but still, I think they can dominate a pack 12 and, and, what I'm most excited for is the semifinals of this pack 12 conference um, you're going to have Arizona and USC and UCLA there. Um, 
Now, granted, pound for pound, this might not be the best conference, uh, but when you get to Saturday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday of those conference tournaments, um, I think Pac-12 is going to have some of the best games. Um, so this this is a top-heavy conference, no doubt about it. But can another team step up? Uh, you know, Oregon struggled. Oregon struggled this year. You kind of thought that they would be a little bit better. Um, now, now who could be that team that steps up? I don't know. But but regardless, uh, Arizona Arizona I think leads this conference right now. I agree with that a hundred percent. And, and the question I have for you guys is, is right now, in, in a neutral site, you talk about the Pac-12 tournament, which team are you taking right now, Arizona, USC, or UCLA? Because Arizona, I think, is probably the best team right now. But I, I think that in a tournament situation, we saw it last year, UCLA uh, is definitely capable of making a run. And outside of that game at Gonzaga, they've looked pretty solid. Yeah, I – in a tournament situation, I'd take UCLA um, just because they have that experience. And, and Arizona just doesn't. Like, they haven't been to the tournament in a couple of years because of some suspensions and, and unsuccessful seasons. But, I mean, UCLA, I mean, they were ranked number two in the country to start the season for a reason. Right? The, that, that roster is deep. It's balanced. It's talented. They're well coached. They're smart. They're physical. Like, and then they have that experience. I mean, they went to the Final Four. They beat a really good Michigan team last year, um, and route to the Final Four, right? Like, that is a good team. Fine. I mean, there's really only one other team to talk about in this conference, which is USC. But I was going to talk about them anyways. I think Arizona and UCLA are getting a lot of the looks as the top team in this conference. USC hasn't lost yet. They're 2-0 and in conference play. They beat Washington State, and they beat Utah. Look, they lost their superstar in Evan Mobley, but I think they're so well coached. I think I honestly think they can win this conference if, if the breaks go their way. Yeah. Like, I, I could see that happening as well. I mean, Andy Enfield, an elite coach, since he's gotten there, they've made the tournament most of the time. And last year, I mean, they, they had a run to the Elite Eight last year. Yeah. So, like, that, that, that's a ta- – he, he's, an, he's an elite coach. Like, I can, I can pretty confidently say that. One team I do want to talk about in the Pac-12, though, who is led by a good coach is Oregon. They are awful. Yeah, they oh just can't my. score. I mean, geez. Like, and that's typically something that Dana Altman's teams do pretty well. Is it not? It like, was last year. It was last yeah, year. It, yeah, sure was last year. It definitely was the Peyton Pritchard there uh, two years ago. But, um, man, like... So many bad losses. Like, I remember at one point they were on track to score, like, I think it was 30 points in a game, and they ended up scoring, like, 43. And, like, they just let teams walk all over them. Like, it, it's embarrassing. Uh, okay, final Power 5 conference. 
Uh, then we'll do the Big East. Uh, we'll do ACC right now. Uh, Patrick, what do you have, ACC? I'm actually going to pass this to Klein first because he's our ACC guy. So, Klein, what um, do you think about the ACC? It's just struggling now. I mean, I don't really know what, what else there is to say. There, there are not very many good teams. If you look at it right now, there are realistically probably three tournament caliber teams in the ACC, which uh, is probably the lowest number that we have seen out of that conference in many, many, many years. Um, and it's kind of been like, I don't want to say we could see it coming, but we kind of have been able to. It's declined slowly over the last couple of years. The only team that is hot right now in the ACC because Duke had a COVID pause is Miami, which has rattled off 11 wins in a row and just beat NC State to open up conference play. They're very good. Isaiah Wong, Cameron McGusty. They could be a tournament team, and the ACC needs them to be a tournament team because it doesn't have a lot of help from the Florida States, the North Carolinas, the Virginias that it oh, usually gets. Virginia. Yeah, I mean, the ACC is just just struggling. Like, you, you said it. There's just not many good teams. I mean, there's three tops, right? I mean, I Miami will probably get in. Duke definitely gets in. But after that, like, like no guarantees. To, yeah, I, I Duke is, is is about as close to a guarantee as you can have for the ACC right now. But it's so weird to see a conference that's dominated college basketball historically for such a long time, and to see them perform so poorly is definitely odd. You know. Um. I'm, I'm going to touch on Duke right now. Uh, obviously, top uh, two team in the country, right behind Baylor. Um, beat Gonzaga, beat Kentucky, uh, took a loss to Ohio State. But, but what I kind of want to see is who is going to be the challenge uh, for Duke to not go undefeated in this ACC uh, season. Could it be Florida State on the road? Uh, I mean, their schedule – Duke's going to have a test with Miami. I think we'll kind of uh, see a lot more from Miami to see if um, obviously they're kind of uh, on a little run right now. They have some momentum. Can they carry that into a game on Saturday against Duke? Um, we'll see. But but outside of that, who's going to be the toughest test for Duke? I, I don't know. Florida State, Clemson, North Carolina. I mean, UNC will inevitably get up for their game against Duke. They always do. Yeah. Yeah, I think there's a lot of teams like that in the ACC. Like the Duke game, if you're an ACC team, no matter what team you are, is probably your biggest game of the season. And regardless of how good Duke is. Yeah. Like, you know, like they're like Alabama in Duke, like in college basketball, like historically, like as far as like the, not as far as the success goes, but it's the name. Yeah. Like, there's there's a lot of weight behind that name. There's a lot of there's a lot of history behind that name. So yeah, I bet I bet they drop one or two at some point. Yeah, I mean it, it it's they're human. They're kids. Like they're bound to 
make some mistakes, lose a game here or there. But I mean, like guys will always play up to their competition in a stage like this. And like, for all we know, it could be, you know, Louisville. It comes out of nowhere and, and beats Duke, like Pitt. I mean, this is a big opportunity for them. And to play against guys like Paolo Vancaro is something that m- many of these guys won't be able to do uh, at the next level. So they get up for it and, and they, they play with energy and it's their Super Bowl, really. It, it's, their, it's their national championship. So it'll be interesting to see how they handle that when they go on the road into these hostile environments because it'll all of those games will be packed when they're on the road. They want to watch that team. They're there to watch them. They don't care about their own team. They're there to watch them. So it'll be see how the, it'll be cool to see how they handle that. Um, okay, Big East ball. Uh, unless mm-hmm. anything else from the anything else from the ACC. Nope. Nothing for me. All right, Big East, uh, Patrick, uh, your king, Big, Big East. Uh, mm-hmm. What you got? I mean, the Big East fan in me loves that the ACC has been struggling so much because they, they poach some teams from the Big East. They poach BC, Syracuse, Pitt, whatever. But the Big East – is in one of the best spots it's been in, in a really long time right now. They have four ranked teams. Uh, UConn received votes. I mean, Providence. I mean, who would have thought coming into this year that Providence would be probably the best team in the conference right now? I mean, they've been really solid with Nate Watson and Noah Horkler, Al Durham. I mean, they, they're really good. I mean, Nate Watson on, on 28 minutes per game puts up 13 points and, and six rebounds and has been dominant in, in really every fashion in, in the Big East. There's not a lot of big centers except for E.K. Obiagu on, on, um, on Seton Hall and Adamas Sinogo and UConn, but nobody can contain him right now in the Big East, which is really known for its guard play nowadays and, and its forward play. But, like, it's so interesting. Like, Villanova, uh, I thought coming into this year that they were going to cakewalk through that conference, right? I mean, they, they return Colin Gillespie. They return Jer- uh, Jermaine Samuels. They bring in some pretty good freshmen who have been able to make a lot of, a lot of impact off the bench. Uh, and they just haven't. I mean, the Big East just bumper cars each other right now. Creighton with a really good win over Villanova at home. Granted, they haven't won at Creighton in a couple of years, but, I mean, it's really something. And, like, any of these teams that are ranked, or even in the discussion for ranking in the Big East, could go to the Final Four. Or not Final Four, but has second weekend potential in the tournament. And you obviously mentioned, I don't think Villanova is still the favorite in this conference. And who's I don't know, but... I don't know. I I don't know if we can say that right now. I don't no, think that there's a clue. I don't think there is a favorite right now. No, I think I, we I have we because like, obviously Villanova's ceiling is the highest. We we can agree on that. When they're playing well, they're the best team in the conference. But facts are the facts. They haven't played well this year. They haven't. They're they're not deep. Uh their bench is short. Um they're small, and that's something that's going to kill them uh, against Providence when they meet them 
hopefully not. Um, I mean, they were able to maneuver around Seton Hall, but they didn't have their two big guys. They didn't have Obiagu, who was really the best player in, in Seton Hall's win over Texas. By the way, Seton Hall, wagon. I don't want to see them in the tournament if, if I'm a team in the NCAA tournament because of the way they play. Like, it, it pains me to say it that Seton Hall is really good because you guys know how much I hate them. But, like, they're just solid. Uh, I really like Xavier. That's the team that I'll talk Mm -hmm. about. Um, Now, Paul Scruggs certainly hasn't had, like, his most impactful season at Xavier. I mean, this is his fifth year, um, and and I thought that he would kind of lead this team, and and he doesn't. He only averages 10 a game. He's the fourth leading scorer uh, for Xavier. But Xavier has some good pieces. Nate Johnson, Colby Jones, Jack Nungy from Iowa – um, they've got they've Jack Nungy. Jack Nungy has been excellent since transferring yeah. to Xavier. He's been great, and that's and that's one where a transfer portal definitely benefited him. Um, he found him spot him a spot at Xavier that that he's uh, started playing really well. Um, so Xavier, I think that Xavier um, is probably Villanova's toughest test. I mean, you you mentioned a lot of teams, and and there's no doubt, but. Um, Xavier has some really good wins, Ohio State, Virginia Tech, um, and they lost to Villanova a couple weeks ago. But I think that this team has some pieces um, where by the end of the year, uh, if these guys, if Travis Steele has these guys playing right, um, and and they get Villanova again in a week, I don't know if that one will be closer. They have them at home. I think that it will be closer than what we saw a couple weeks ago. Um, But I still think that this this Xavier team's ceiling um, by the end of the year, I think that they have the pieces uh, to contend for a Big East title. Um, because right now, Xavier's one and one, and Villanova's two and one. So, I mean, Xavier picks up a win and they're tied in Big East play. Uh, so, this, uh, this Big East is definitely up for grabs. And, you know, I could see Xavier, uh, once you get past this week, um, you have Villanova, and then uh, you have. Uh, a while until you play Providence and Creighton. Um, so I think their schedule is pretty favorable uh, for Xavier heading down the stretch. Yeah. Uh, I mean, oh, you got it, Glenn. No, you got it. I'm just going to look at Creighton, which I think is an interesting team because they really only have one bad loss, which was to Arizona State. Their other two losses are to number 11 Iowa State. They lost by six. And then to Colorado State, which looked like a bad loss at the time, but Colorado State, I think, is one of the best mid-majors in the country and is now a top-20 team. So that's not looking like a bad loss at all. And the Blue Jays opened conference play with a spanking of Villanova. They won by 20. And then they beat Marquette, and they go right back, as you guys mentioned, to play Villanova again this week. So... They get their second chance to beat Villanova. They have good wins, not a lot of bad losses. There's no Marcus Zagorowski, but I like what I've seen from Creighton. Yeah, and and John Fanta, when he came on the podcast, said to us that if you're going to get Creighton, you got to get him now because next year they're going to be a problem. And it looks like Creighton's not even letting people get get them now. Like – their losses are to good teams, except for Arizona State. 
but like they're they're a solid team and even them like who knows what they can do right like it's just a wild time in the big east it's good it's good to see that the big east is prominent in basketball again in this year at least so uh that'll do it uh for uh, the new year uh first episode of 2022 um we'll be back uh no doubt about it uh college basketball obviously we mentioned conference play is rolling um so we will be back uh to keep giving you guys these breakdowns throughout the season uh, as we head into uh postseason play uh, so that'll do it uh for patrick dallahan and jake klein any last uh notes comments as we send them off no i'm good yeah all right uh that'll do it uh as always follow us on social media at cbb365 pod on instagram and twitter uh, and of course uh, available on apple podcasts and spotify that'll do it for cbb365 i'm adam hipsky for my co-host patrick dallahan and our producer jake klein Thanks for listening.